in the life of Cliff Young. He got up like he always did. He put on his overalls and his work boots and he put the galoshes on over his work boots in case it rained and he didn't want his boots to get wet. However, Cliff wasn't getting up to go and work. He was actually getting up to go run in a race. Uh, And Cliff had never run in a race before, so he didn't really quite know the procedures that you went through. He didn't know that you were supposed to have the proper running gear. He didn't know that the runners who were showing up for this race were mostly under the age of 30 and sponsored by the likes of Nike and Adidas and New Balance and Reebok. And you see this race that Cliff was running in, it was not your ordinary 5K. The first race that Cliff Young decided to run in was the 544 mile Australian Ultra Marathon. And so as the the race uh, was about to begin, the 61-year-old Cliff Young, who actually wasn't very young, he took out his teeth because he said his false teeth rattled when he ran, and he uh, got himself prepared to run. And so the gun sounded, and all of these finely tuned athletes, they take off at their pace, and then here begins Cliff. And people were there. They said it was very awkward. He stood with his back straight up and his arms at his side and just kind of began to shuffle his feet forward. And the spectators and the reporters who were there began to wonder what is going to happen to this man over the next 544 miles. How is he ever going to get through this? How long is it going to take him? Well, everyone was a little bit shocked when five days, 15 hours and four minutes later, Cliff Young finally crossed the finish line in first place, beating the second place runner by nine hours and setting a world record by almost two days. And people began to wonder, how in the world did this happen? You see, there was a specific way that you ran ultra marathons. You run for 18 hours and then you sleep for six to give your body time to recover. And so these finely tuned athletes would take off at their pace and they would run for 18 hours and then sleep for six. But see, nobody told Cliff that. Cliff didn't know that you were supposed to stop running when it got dark. And so when the darkness set in, Cliff just kept shuffling along for five days, 15 hours and four minutes. Cliff was a farmer and a shepherd by trade, and he grew up on a farm with sheep, but no horses or no four-wheelers. And so when you had to round up the sheep, you did that on the run. And Cliff told reporters after the race was over that whenever the storms would roll in, I'd have to go and run and round up the sheep. 2,000 head of sheep over 2,000 acres of land. He said, sometimes I'd have to run those sheep for two or three days. He said to himself, I can run this race. It's only two more days, five days. I've run sheep for three. And when Cliff said he'd run sheep for three days, he meant all day and all night. There are a lot of things that Cliff Young didn't know about running. He didn't know the proper form or the proper breathing techniques. He didn't know you were supposed to be young and sponsored to run the race. He didn't know you were supposed to wear the specific gear. And he didn't know you were supposed to stop when it got dark. What Cliff knew was what he had been taught, the things he had done every day, and the things that were an anchor to his life. Cliff knew that when it gets dark, you keep running. Today we'll be in Psalm 23 as we continue our look through that, and we'll be looking specifically at verse 4. And we're going to see how our shepherd leads us through the dark. This morning what we'll be doing is we are going to actually read Psalm 23 together. So you can turn there in your Bible if you would like, but the words that we will be reading together will be on the screen for you as well. So I would invite you, if you are able to please stand with me as we read God's word together. And this is what the psalmist David writes in Psalm 23. Will you read it with me? 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. And God, I pray now that your spirit would speak to us through your word. That the things that I say that are not of you, that they would fall to the floor and be quickly forgotten. But the things that your spirit places on our hearts, that they would sink deep within us, causing us to be more conformed into the likeness of Christ and live for your glory. It's for the name of Christ we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Well, in the opening words of Psalm 23, we learn that the Lord is our shepherd. And because he is our shepherd and we are his sheep, there are very specific benefits that we enjoy. Uh, Because he's our shepherd, we will not want. Because he is our shepherd, we go through green pastures. And there's such a peace in those places that he will help us to lie down and enjoy them. He restores our soul and he leads us in righteousness. That we could never be righteous on our own. And so God, after restoring our soul, after he makes us righteous, he continues to lead us in the way of righteousness. And all of those things that we've looked at and we read in verses one through three, those sound wonderful. That sounds like what we sign up for. And then you get to verse four. And in verse four, we read, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Up until this point in in the psalm, the, the shepherd, he has led, he has guided, he has been directing all the way. And that does not change in verse four. God does not stop leading when we go through the valley. In in fact, the shepherd, our God, he leads us into the valley. But every good shepherd will tell you that they never take their sheep or they have not already gone before. And this is true for our God. And so as we walk through this verse today in this psalm, our outline is just very simple. In your handout there you have it. it. It's just that we will look at the valley of the shadow of death. The reason for the lack of fear and the comfort that the shepherd provides. David says, even though I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the way he describes it is very ominous. Often, when when I think of a valley anyway, most of the time I think of kind of coming down off of the hill and green fields and maybe some flowers that are in bloom. But that's not the way that David describes this valley. It's a valley that's full of shadows. Another way that you can translate that phrase, shadow of death, is simply to say the darkest. So that you could read the psalm this way, that even though I walk through the darkest valley, this is not a place that any of us would want to go, but it's the place that the shepherd leads his sheep. And when shepherds are leading their sheep, they always have a very specific destination in mind. They're never wandering aimlessly about. And to an even greater degree, our shepherd, God, is leading us to a very specific destination. 
If you are in Christ, then what he is leading us to, the destination that he has for us is greater holiness in Christ until the day of our final glorification and we are there with him forever in heaven. And on the journey to that very specific destination, the shepherd knows that he is going to encounter and we as his sheep are going to encounter valleys and darkness. And this is part of the shepherd's plan. Just as the green pastures and the quiet waters are a part of his plan, the valley of darkness or the valley of the shadow of death is part of God's plan for you and for me to bring us to the best places for us. But I want you to notice what David writes about the valley of the shadow of death because it's very key. He says, even though I walk through the valley. The intention of the shepherd is not for the sheep to live in this place. When the darkness sets in and shadows begin to cast their shade over your life, the goal and the intention is that you would keep going. You keep walking. When common sense tells you that you need to stop and sleep because it's dark, you keep shuffling your feet along. The great Baptist English preacher Charles Spurgeon said this about the walk through the valley. To walk indicates the steady advance of a soul which knows its road, knows its end, and resolves to follow the path. And, and that's what we do, but here's the thing. This walk, it can be unbelievably difficult. And it's difficult because death, it casts a very long shadow. The, the psalmist here is talking about not just physical death. When he writes about the valley of the shadow of death, he, I believe he is speaking about all of the effects that sin brings into our world. You see, sin is really just a, or excuse me, death is just a result of sin. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. And so death has entered the world as a result of sin. But it's not just that. There are all kinds of things that are the ramifications and the effects of sin. Our world and our individual lives, they have been ravaged by the wages of sin. And every single one of us feel its effects in some way. None of us escape the valley of darkness or the valley of the shadow of death. And, and, and these shadows of death they manifest themselves in a myriad of ways in our lives. Some of them can be very life-altering things that we can experience. Others of them are just the daily difficulties that we encounter as we live in a fallen world. Some of these shadows would be things like a cancer diagnosis and the pain and the difficulty that comes with it. It could be the loss of a job that brings financial difficulty, financial frustration, or even financial ruin. But it's also things like divorce or marital strain and difficulty in that relationship. The shadows of death could be things like infertility or miscarriage, things like adultery, sexual abuse, and pornography and the addiction to it. The shadows of death are also things like chronic pain in life or the breakdown of the physical body. It's the weight of caring for aging parents. It's losing touch with a rebellious child. It's dealing with the physical death of people that we love. It's abandonment from people. It's broken relationships that we experience. It's depression. It's mental illnesses and the burden of feeling like you have to carry that alone because there's some stigma attached to it. Sin has ravaged and wrecked every part of our world. 
And the shadows of death touch almost every single part of our life. And every single one of us will enter the valley of darkness at some point. If you have much experience in life, you've walked through some of those things. Maybe you're walking through them now. And when you begin to think about the shadows of death, it can be overwhelming. And you begin to think, how am I supposed to get through the valley? How am I supposed to carry these burdens? How are we supposed to deal with that kind of pain? How do I keep my feet shuffling forward in the darkness when all I want to do is lay down and go to sleep? Well, the good news for us today is we don't have to. There's something interesting about shadows. The shadows cannot exist without light. The reason shadows are there is because light is being cast somewhere else. And the light that is cast, it's always greater and more powerful than the shadow. The other thing is about darkness. Darkness never can travel as fast as light. No matter how black the dark dark seeps in or how dark the depths of the night, the darkness cannot travel faster than light. And the light will always be there to shatter the darkness. In the Gospel of John, it records for us the life and the words of Jesus. And in John 8, verse 12, he says this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then a few chapters later, he tells us, I am the good shepherd. Our good shepherd leads us through the valley of deep darkness because his light has come and it shatters the dark. And his light has come and shattered the dark because in the days of his flesh, Jesus walked into that valley. Jesus himself tasted death and he entered the grave. But as one songwriter so aptly put it, three days later when Jesus took in that breath, he shattered all death with his life. Death could not hold Christ. And now, if we are in Christ, his spirit abides in us and it walks with us through the valley of the shadow until the day when Christ returns and makes all things right. You see, because of what Christ has done, the shadows of this life, they are not the ultimate reality. At some point, almost every child has a period that they go through where they are afraid of the dark. And if you ask them in those moments what they are afraid of, they'll tell you things like the monsters or boogeyman or something that lives under my bed, right? And and you will come to them and, and you will talk to them about that fear, but the answers to those things, monsters and boogeyman and imaginary things under your bed, they don't really exist. They aren't reality. Now, the fear that they feel about those things, it is real. And the difficulty of them to get through the darkness, it is real. And so what any good parent will do is they will come to comfort their child. They will tell them, listen, those things don't really exist. They aren't really there. And as a parent, you know that because you have experience. You have walked through the darkness and you've come out the other side and you know those things aren't really there. They aren't the ultimate reality. And so what any good parent will do in those moments to help calm their child and abate their fears, they will tell them those things don't exist. But the other thing a good parent will do is a good parent will provide light. A light that cannot be overcome by the darkness. Christ has come. and He has overcome the darkness and he has overcome the shadows and he has completely changed the reality. 
He has experienced the deepest of the darkness. He has experienced the worst of the valley. And he understands your fear as you go through it. That the difficulty of getting through the valley, it is real, but he has provided light. And he has assured you and assured us that these shadows, these casts that are there, they are not ultimate reality. And so we can get through the darkness. We can keep shuffling our feet along in slow, steady progress towards the end. And we no longer need to fear. We don't have to fear the shadows and the darkness that come in our life. This is the conclusion that David comes to in in the psalm. He, He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Implicit in what David is saying there is that the valley of the shadow of death is in some way an evil valley. That at its heart, the valley of the shadow of death, it wants to do you harm. The valley of darkness, it wants to undo us in some way or cause us fear and trepidation. It doesn't want us to keep going forward. However, David says there is no fear. The valley of darkness or the valley of the shadow of death, it's a place that's all about fear. And into the midst of that, David speaks and says, I will not fear. What is David's reason for his lack of fear? David shows no fear amid a time and a place and a situation which is specifically meant to evoke fear from him because God, the shepherd, is with him. For you are with me. That simple phrase carries with it massive implications for us. The first one is this. We've already alluded to it a bit, but if the Lord is with him, then the conclusion is that the Lord has actually led him into the valley. That God leads us into dark places. And that can seem cruel and unloving from a good shepherd. But let me remind you that no good shepherd takes their sheep where they have not already gone themselves. And as I said, Jesus has entered this valley. He walked through all the ravages of sin and brokenness that has been brought on our world. He has tasted the sting of death and he has come out on the other side of it. And so he leads us through these valleys because he knows the place that he is taking us to. He knows the road and he would never lead his sheep into a valley that he could not bring them through. And he will never lead his sheep into a valley that will not ultimately result in their good. Now that doesn't answer every question. And it doesn't, it doesn't give you every reason why God is leading in the valley, but what it does is it provides a lack of fear. The Puritan pastor, W.S. Plummer, commenting on this phrase, he offers these assuring words. He says, never be afraid with any amazement. Never magnify the trials we endure. Never rely with confidence on human devices for deliverance. Always put the best construction on God's procedure. Always remember that if God should cease to be a mysterious being, he would cease to be God. We don't know every reason God leads us through the valley. But we do know he's leading and he is the good shepherd. That simple phrase, I I will not fear for you are with me, also helps us to understand that the presence of God brings peace where there should be no peace. 
Peace is not meant to be found in the valley of the shadow of death. What's meant to be found there is fear. What you're supposed to find in the valley is worry and anxiety. In the valley of darkness, chaos is supposed to reign. But when the presence of God is with us, peace abides. A few years after I graduated college, I was with a friend and his family down in Atlanta, Georgia. And it was over the 4th of July. And so we decided to go downtown to see the fireworks display. So we load our lawn chairs and everything we need and we get downtown and we set everything up and when it gets uh, really dark, that's when the display begins and it was everything that you would want in a fireworks display. It was loud and the colors were bright and there was a lot of explosion. I mean, and just with all the people that were there, I mean, it was chaotic in a way. And I remember there was a family sitting right next to us. And in the midst of this chaos, there was a little baby with them. And the little baby was there, and it was asleep. In the midst of the chaos and the explosion and the loud, it was asleep. he was asleep. He was up against his mom's chest, and she had her hand over his ear to help drown out the noise. And he slept perfectly soundly. And he slept perfectly soundly, Amidst all the chaos and the explosion, because he was in the presence of the one who would love him and who would care for him, even if it cost her her life. Friends, Christ has promised that his presence will be with us no matter what. And in order to assure that, it cost him his life. He made sure that we, he would walk with us through the valley of the shadow of death. And so we do not have to fear any evil. And the good news for us in this is that this is not just a one-time promise that we read in Psalm 23, verse 4. This is all over our Bibles. Let me give you just an example from both the Old and the New Testament. We read in Psalm Isaiah 42, verse 3, God say, I will be with you when you pass through the waters. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. You will not be scorched when you walk through the fire and the flame will not burn you. When life is overwhelming and the river is rising and you don't think you can tread water any longer, God says, you are not going to drown. I am here. The difficulties of life are not going to burn you. In the Gospel of Matthew, before Jesus leaves his disciples, he tells them in Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, Go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And then he says, and I am with you always. And to guarantee that, he sent his spirit to abide in his disciples just a few days after these words, to guarantee that the shepherd walks with us in the valley. In the middle of the chaos, he is there, so we do not have to fear. But even more than that, in the middle of the chaos, he provides comfort for us. David mentions here two specific tools that the shepherd uses in bringing comfort to the sheep. The rod and the staff. Both of these devices were, were very, had very specific tasks, and both would be shaped out of a piece of wood that the shepherd would select and, and carve to his purposes. And I was, I was thinking about it. I think probably the, maybe the most famous shepherd's staff of the Old Testament is the one that belonged to Moses. Most of us don't think of Moses as a shepherd, but when he flees Egypt and ends up in Midian, he uh, becomes the son-in-law of Jethro, who was the priest of Midian and a keeper of sheep. And so after Moses marries his daughter Zipporah, he joins the family business. 
And I can just imagine Moses as he becomes this shepherd, he goes out into the woods and into the fields and he finds this just really nice, long, sturdy tree branch. He picks it up, takes it back to his tent and he begins to shape it and to fashion it into the staff that he's going to use. And for years he uses this staff to guide and to direct the sheep. And then he has this encounter with God. And God takes that shepherd's staff that's in his hand and he uses it to begin to demonstrate his power and his authority. So if you know the story, if you remember, right, he tells Moses to take the staff and to throw it on the ground. And when he does, it becomes a serpent. And then he tells Moses, now pick it up again. And when he does, it turns back into the staff. And then he commissions Moses to go back to Egypt and to lead his people out of slavery, out of certain death. And so Moses with with staff in hand, goes and God begins to demonstrate his authority and his power over all things and displaying it to the Egyptians. And plague after plague falls on the Egyptian people. And then Moses, with that staff in hand, leads God's people out of slavery and into the promised land or toward the promised land. And a few years after that, another man is going to go out into a field and into the woods. He's going to find the best tree that he can find. He doesn't shape it into a shepherd's staff. Instead, he shapes it into the cross. And then the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, is going to take up that cross, and he's going to carry it outside the city. And on that cross, he displayed the power and the authority of God over sin by dying for our sins and raising from the dead to show that it has no power over him. And if you are not a follower of Christ, this is the comfort the shepherd offers you. That he is leading his people through his death and his resurrection out of the valley of the shadow of death. For those of us who are in Christ, I think the words again of Charles Spurgeon ring ever true, that death is not the house, but the porch. Not the goal, but the passage to it. However, if you are not in Christ, if you have not repented of your sins and placed your faith in him, then you will be lost in the valley. The only way out of the valley is through Christ. And so I would urge you to consider the claims of Christ. I would urge you to repent and to believe the gospel to place your faith in the good news that Jesus Christ has died for your sins and offers forgiveness, that he offers a way out of slavery, out of certain death. For those of us who are in Christ, this is the kind of comfort that we have, but that doesn't mean we escape the valleys. It doesn't mean we are automatically out of the shadows and the darkness. So what is the comfort that our shepherd provides? Well, a shepherd's rod was actually a tool that was used for discipline and correction of the sheep. So when they would begin to wander far away, the shepherd would strike the sheep to bring them back. Or if they were going to eat a poisonous plant or they were wandering close to danger, it was used for discipline and correction in the life of the sheep. And if you are a follower of Christ, this is what the word of God does for us in our life. It's the rod that God uses to discipline us and to correct us, to keep us from walking in ways that are harmful to ourselves. But even more than that, the rod was also used by the shepherd to very closely inspect the sheep. They could move the wool around and look around the sheep and see if there's any blemish or defect or illness in the sheep. It was meant, it was used as a way to search the sheep. This is again, is what the word of God does for us. Psalm 139 
verses 23 and 24 say, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there is any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. As you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, as you walk through the valley of darkness, it's the word of God that is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, leading us in the way the shepherd would take us, providing comfort for us. There's one other parallel that the rod, between the rod and the word of God, the rod was used as protection from the enemy. And so when a predator would come to begin to strike the sheep, a shepherd, after practicing, could throw his rod and immediately knock down or kill the predator as it was coming for his sheep. The word of God is meant to be used by us to battle against our enemy, who, the word tells us, is like a roaring lion seeking those he can devour. In Ephesians 6, the Apostle Paul walks through the armor of God and he tells us that the word of God is also known as the sword of the spirit. It's the weapon that we use to fight against Satan and sin in this world. And so follower of Christ, when you walk through the valley of death and the valley of darkness, you need the word of God. And I know and I have felt that as you walk through the valley and you walk through the dark times, it is hard to be in the word. It can feel forced It can feel just dry almost every time you come to it. Keep going back again and again, daily time in the word of God, seeing the love of God for us, seeing the gospel and what Christ has done for us is the tool that our great shepherd uses to bring us comfort as we walk through the difficulties of life. The shepherd also used his staff And he didn't use it as a corrective tool as much as a guiding and directing tool. So as the sheep began to to wander a little bit or stray a little bit from the path, he wouldn't hit the sheep with it. He would just gently nudge the sheep to get them back on the path or to move them forward or to move them uh, backwards, whatever he needed to do. He also would use it if he wanted to draw the sheep closer into himself. And so he would hook the sheep and pull them in. Or if he wanted them closer to one another, he could use his staff to gather them together. If you are a follower of Christ, this is what the Spirit of God does. This is what the Holy Spirit does in our life. He guides us as we go. Even when we can't see our way in the dark, He is bringing us and leading us along the path. He draws us closer and deeper into relationship with our God. He draws us closer and deeper into relationship with one another. Because walking in the dark is always a little bit easier when someone's walking with you. The Spirit of God provides this comfort for us, that the Word of God is used to move us through the valley of darkness. Because there is no escaping the darkness that we will encounter in this life. All of us will either encounter the valley of the shadow of death or you are in it right now. You are walking through the dark Maybe you're wondering, how do I get through? We have the opportunity to walk through the valley of darkness. That first ultra marathon that Nick or Cliff Young completed, it was in 1983. Up until that time, I told you that the way that people went about running those was you ran for 18 hours and then you slept for six. Today, that's not the way people do it. Today, people run the entire time all the way through. They run through the dark. And they run through the dark because someone years ago showed them it was possible to run through the dark. 
And when someone has gone before you and has done it and shown you that it's possible, then it makes it easier for you to do it. Friends, there is someone who has passed through the valley of the shadow of death and he has come through that valley and he now stands at the mountaintop. And he has said, I am the light of the world. And that light shines in the darkness and the darkness will never overcome it. The valley of the shadow of death, it will not have the final word. Our great shepherd, Jesus Christ, he has guaranteed that death and darkness, it will not win. And if you are in Christ, he has promised to lead you with his light through the valley. Cling to him. Set your eyes on him. In just a moment, we are going to stand and we're going to sing to our great Savior and our great shepherd. If you have never placed your faith in Christ, then you, and you want to know more about that or what that looks like, then during the time that we're singing, you can come and speak with me. I would love to talk with you about it. After we're done, if you want to come and find me, one of our staff, or just someone you know to be a believer, We would encourage you to come and to talk to us. We would love to introduce you to our shepherd. If you want to know more about our church and what it looks like to join this local body of believers, you can come and talk to us as well. But more than anything, what we want to do is we want to lift our voices in worship to our great shepherd and our great king who walked through the valley of darkness and overcame it with his marvelous light. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for Christ. That because of him, we do not walk in the dark. Because his light shines in the world and the darkness will not overcome it. God, we confess sometimes the world can feel very dark. And the shadows can press around us. And the fear and the difficulty that we experience, it is real and it is there. And God, we need you to lead us. Help us to lean on you, not to use our own strength but to lean on the one who entered the darkest valley possible and who came out defeating sin and death at the cross. Thank you for Christ. As we sing, may we lift our voices in song to your glory and our great joy. It's for the name of Christ we pray. Amen.